Praise God for the great privilege of speaking to all of you again. Just for my curiosity, how many of you are thinking of joining on a regular basis our every Friday lunch, fasting, and prayer? You are contemplating or you feel you'd like to join. Raise your hands. I'm asking all of you to join us. You know why? Imagine if we pray for our country. If we pray for our family, you would unleash God's power. So what's the topic for this month series, everybody? Unleash God's power. What must we do? Pray. Now, question. What did you learn from last week's lesson? Last week, how should we pray? Shall we exercise? How should, how should we pray? God first, right? Focus on God. Okay, focus on God. Higher, everybody. Focus on God. When you focus on God, that means you don't focus on your problem. You think of your relationship with God. He is our Father. And then you can now pray for your needs, our needs. Am I correct? All right. Bring down your hands. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 6. Quick review. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer has two parts. What is the second part? If you read Matthew chapter 6. What is the next part? Everybody read. The next part of Matthew chapter 6 is what? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we have forgiven our debtors, do not lead us into temptation. I'm going to explain all of this. So this prayer has two parts. Part one, everybody, sorry, huh? exercise again. What's part one? Our Father. This prayer is for the followers of Jesus, okay? If you are not a follower of Jesus, it's hard for you to pray this prayer. You know why? Because God is not your Father. We all believe in God. Our country, we are religious people. We have religion. But my concern is, do we have a real relationship with God? And that's why this prayer, if you read the entire context of Matthew 5, 6, 7, it is addressed to the followers of Jesus, our Father. And that's what I did with my wife. Every time we pray, I start with my Father, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. It gives me comfort, and I want to remind all of you, God is the Father that you have been longing for. Some of you cannot relate to the comfort of this prayer because you have a father that is absentee, a father that perhaps is abusive. I sympathize with you. But one thing I can tell you, God is not like that. He is the best father. So you are free to come to him. No appointment. No need of pretense. Just come to him. And that's what I do. I'm honest with God. If I'm struggling, I tell him. But I start with God, our Father, who art in heaven, the Almighty God, thy kingdom come. Our Father is a king. I remind myself, the King of kings, Lord of lords. I want to honor your name. Hallowed be your name. And then, the most important part now, this is the transition between part one and part two, is this phrase. Everybody read This is the connection. 
your will be done. Once you pray this prayer, your will be done, I want you to know something about your will be done. There are three ways to pray that prayer, your will be done. One, resignation. No choice, your will be done. Second, you're angry, your will be done. Sometimes husband and wife, you're angry with your husband. Am I correct? Or you can do it the third way, the Jesus way. You delight to do God's will. My prayer is when you learn how to pray, you will really delight to do God's will. It took me years to learn, to delight to do God's will. I want you to imagine now, a five-year-old, seven-year-old, talking to his father, 40-plus years old. And that boy, that young child, is asking for something. And what that boy, that young child is asking, or that young girl, what she or he is asking is bad. It's not good for the father. Now, you as a father, will you do it? Will you give in to the request of a child that you know the request is absolutely wrong? Yes or no? Yes or no? Of course not. I thought of my own life. Years ago, I wanted a gun. At a young age, I wanted guns. My father said, no, you are too young. Just imagine if my father gave me a real gun earlier. People don't know this. I had a BB gun, a 22 BB gun, and accidentally shot somebody in the head. And that guy is the son of our principal. I thought I murdered somebody. We rushed him to the hospital, and praise God, the, the bullet just went through the skull. And I realized how wise my father was. And what if he's a real gun? Now, you want to know how that happened? Someday I will tell you. But it's a real crazy accident. So I'm trying to tell you something. If you ask God for something, you must be willing to say in your heart, Thy will be done. Because if you don't say that, thy will be done, you are telling God you are smarter than him. And the truth is, you and I are not smarter than God. So why is it you keep on insisting, I keep on insisting, God has to follow my will? It's called ignorance. It's called pride. Friends, learn this prayer. Thy will be done. Why? Because you trust God. You trust your Heavenly Father. This entire prayer is founded on your relationship with God, our Father. Okay? So today, our topic today is very simple. Our theme. Unleash God's power. Surrender your needs through prayer. One more time. Everybody read. Unleash God's power. How do you unleash it? Surrender your needs through prayer. What are our needs? Physical, spiritual, emotional, future needs. Present needs, future needs. All of that is covered in this prayer. So I want you to learn today. Unleash God's power. What must you do? Surrender your needs. Thy will be done. You surrender to God because God cares for you. Now, what are the needs we have? Well, in this prayer, God will take care of your provision, 
God will take care of your need for forgiveness. Many times you want to earn forgiveness. You cannot earn forgiveness. God gives it to you. And protection. Is that okay with you? So today we'll begin. Matthew chapter 6. Let's read verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice what the Bible is saying. Give us this day our daily. You know how some people pray? Give us this day our weekly needs. Give us this day our monthly. Some of you, you are not contented with monthly. You want give us this day my need for the next 20 years so I can retire now. My friend, listen to me. God can do that. But are you willing to pray? Give us this day for my need for the day. You see the difference? That word daily was debated by many scholars. What does that word really mean? Because it was not used in classical Greek until they discovered an old manuscript, a papyrus paper, where it is used for a shopping list. In the shopping list, the word used is, let's read this, S, lead together, epiosios. Epiosios is the word used for daily. So they finally understood the meaning. Epiosios means supply us with the things we need for the coming day. It's a shopping list reminding the person, these are the things I need to go to the market. Can I tell you something? This prayer tells me that God loves you. He cares for your physical needs. Not just physical, not just spiritual. Can you tell your neighbor, God loves you. God loves you, okay? What do I know God loves you? He not only died on the cross for your sins, he's now telling you, I'm going to take care of your physical needs. You know, sometimes we we spiritualize the Bible so much, but we don't realize God cares for you as a whole person. God cares for your present needs, for your future needs, everything about you. But you must understand how to pray. You see, this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is dependent on something you need to understand. It's found in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites, 600,000 men, if you include the wives and the children, I would say minimum 2 million people. They left Egypt. They went through the desert to enter the promised land. No food, no water. God says, don't worry. I will take care of you. So the book of Exodus tells us the foundation of give us this day our daily bread. Do you know the foundation? This is the foundation. Let's read this together. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain bread from heaven. Manna. How many of you have heard of the word manna? Manna. Have you heard of the word manna? How many of you have not heard of the word manna? Raise your hand. You need to read the Bible. The Bible says God provided manna. That is the best food in the world. 
which I don't know how to produce it. Because the manna has complete enzyme, protein, vitamins, probiotics. Everything they needed is in the manna. They ate manna in the morning, manna at noon, manna at night. For how long? 40 years. But they didn't get sick. It's amazing. Moses ate that for 40 years. Listen to me. God provides. But what must you do? Uh Aha. Must do the following. The people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. So you must work. God provides, but you got to do your part. Can I tell you why? Look at 2 Thessalonians. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians, if a man will not work, he must not eat. If anyone is not willing to work, he is not to eat. In other words, God's provision does not exempt you from doing your part. Comprende? All right. Let's go back to Exodus. So Exodus tells us, I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Meaning, will you trust me that I'll provide for you? So what is the instructions? Every day you go. And then on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much. Meaning, the day before the Sabbath, they will gather twice as much. So that on the Sabbath, they will not eat. So what is the instruction? Gather every day as much as you need. But do not store it. Because the next day, I'll give you again. Second instruction. On the day before the Sabbath, you gather twice. Okay? Because on the Sabbath, there won't be any manna. Are we clear? Now, will you obey God or no? You know, I'm reminded of myself. Ang tigas-tigas ng ulo. We are so stubborn. They did not obey the Lord. You know what they did? Every day, when God provided food, some people wanted to gather more. And you know what they did? They stored. Bumabaon. You know why you stored? You don't trust God will provide you tomorrow. You know what happened to the food because they stored? I'll show you. They did not listen and they took extra until morning. What did happen? Everybody read. It bred worms and became foul. Is that your habit? You don't want to trust God for daily needs? That's what they did. Then God told them the day before the Sabbath, do not work on the Sabbath. Trust me. Again, did the people obey God? No. You know what some did? I'll show you. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. It just reminds me of human nature. So hard to trust God. You know, God wants you to trust Him how often? Day by day. Tell your neighbor, trust God day by day. Look, I want to show you a verse why you need to trust God day by day. In Deuteronomy, God warns us, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and live in them, 
and all you have multiplies, then you, your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. You see, our problem is this. When God has blessed you, you forget Him. Our tendency is to forget the Lord. Can I tell you something? People who are desperate will always think of God. People who are in desperate need, they pray. But people, like modern people, where God has blessed us, where you have everything, your tendency, your temptation is to think it's you. Look at what it says here. What is the, dan- what is the danger? Then your heart will become proud because you think you did it yourself. So my prayer is his efforts will, so, so, will grow deep in the Lord. If God bless you, praise him. This prayer reminds you you are to depend on God. How often? Day by day, moment by moment. Everything you have is from God. Everything I have is from God. This prayer is a prayer to remind us God is the great provider and God is faithful. Do you know what I'm going to talk about next week? Listen. Next week, part three of prayer is if your prayers are not answered, what do you do? Some of you, you have been praying for a husband. You have been attending CCF single retreat. I've been attending 30 years. I'm still single. I tell you, what do you do? I'm going to teach you the perspective how to process prayers that are not answered. Do you believe God loves you? No, really. You believe he loves us? Do you believe God knows what's best for you? I never understood that until I became a father. So when God does not answer your prayer, what does that mean? Well, when will I talk about it? Next Sunday. You bring your friend. But today, let's talk about, what's the topic today? Unleash God's power. Let's review the topic. What's the topic today? Unleash God's power. Surrender your needs. Some of you may not have physical needs. Yes or no? But you may have other needs. Whatever it is, I want you to know, God promised to meet your needs on a daily basis. Why is that daily basis so important? All right. Will you read Matthew chapter 6? Look at that principle. Do not worry. Everybody tell your neighbor, do not worry. Do you know this is a command? Is worrying a sin? Louder. It is. So this is for God's people. This is not for everybody. Only God's people can afford not to worry. If you are not God's people, it's okay. You worry. And you die fast, okay? But if you are God's people, do not worry. That's the command. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What will we wear? God says, don't worry. The Gentiles seek all of these things. Everybody, I love this. Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Notice your needs. Surrender your needs. Now, you are thinking God will answer all your wants. That's not the promise. The promise is all your needs. 
there was a lady who wanted to get married. And she told my wife, I'm feeling anxious. I'm no longer very happy. I'm still single. You know what my wife told her? I, my wife told her, remember something. If you need a husband, God will give it to you. If God is not giving you a husband, don't worry. You don't need it. At the right time, if you need a husband, God will give it to you. Yes or no? So if you are single, up to now you are still single, God is telling you, as far as he is concerned, you don't need a husband. Because once you marry the wrong person, it's the end of the world for you. It's really very, very painful. I've been counseling people, right? Marriage is so crucial. So, look at the next verse. But what's your job? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So, you've got a job to do. As of now, be busy. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That is the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Seek first. I don't know about the way you prioritize your life. Many of you want to claim the provisions of God, but you do not know the principle. For me, the principle is so simple. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. My wife and I have been married 50 years, and God has never failed us. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen? And what's the promise? All. What are all of these things? What you shall eat, what you shall put on your clothing. Now, read. Everybody, do not worry about tomorrow. Huh. Now, how many of you are worried about tomorrow? Be honest. Do you worry? I do. And I'm reminded. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, I remember this businessman. When he learned this principle to honor God, to put him first, you know what he did? His business a customer from the Middle East came and told him, can I meet with you on Wednesday night? The guy flew all over. His business is in the labor um, contracting business to supply laborers. He said, I'm sorry, I have a Bible study. So the Middle East partner said, okay, okay. I'll call you. He called Friday. Can we meet Sunday? The guy said, I'm sorry. I worship on Sunday. In his mind, he's finished. Because the guy will get angry. Would you believe it? By Monday, the guy called. Can we meet tomorrow? Yes. When they met... The Middle East partner told him, you know, sir, I was thinking of giving the business to other people. But when you told me you're attending Bible study, and he's not a Christian, okay? And when you told me you need to worship God, I decided to give you all of my business. He said, why? Because I can trust you. You fear God. You obey God. I trust you. You have my business. Is God amazing, yes or no? My friend, I'm not saying if you do that, you know, everything's okay. I'm not saying that. Sometimes you'll be tested. But in our own business experience, my own, I used to be very active in real estate. We're a developer. I did not have three pings on Sunday. 
But can I tell you something? God has always blessed our business. You put God first. Amen? Now, when one of our members heard this message years ago, she said, wow, God is really amazing. So she said, Lord, today I don't have food, but I trust you. So she cooked rice with soy sauce. She's trusting God to provide the others. Now, the husband has no idea. You know, somebody knocked. You know who knocked? Somebody that her mother from the province sent to give her crabs, pork, vegetables. Amazing. She said, Pastor, I have so much, I have to share it to my neighbor. No, is God good? Yes or no? But God's supply system, the Japanese copied. You know how the Japanese produce on-demand supply. You need today this part, it will arrive. They don't stack up. Philippine style. Anong style natin? <laughs> Malaking bodega. What if your bodega burned down? I like you to know the story of a certain guy by the name of George Mueller. You know, George Mueller is one of those classic man of faith. Do you know his philosophy? I want you to read his philosophy. This is his philosophy, George Mueller. Number one, he said, I desire for the world to know that God is faithful. God will provide for the needs of his ministry. I will not take any salary. And then he added, I will not tell anybody my needs. I trust God to put in people's hearts to send me what I need. So here is George Mueller. He never took a loan, went into debt. Over 60 years, he fed 10,000 orphans. But he never asked people for money. George Mueller set out to prove to the world that God is faithful. There was a day when all the orphans were lined up, the table were set, no food. You know what he did? He said, children, let's pray because we don't want to be late in school. He put up a school. Over 100,000 students passed through that school. He said, Lord, I thank you. This is in his diary. I'd like you to read the life of George Mueller. He said, I thank you. Your children are waiting. We have no food. Would you believe it? Right after his prayer, somebody knocked. It was a baker. The baker said, I couldn't sleep last night. The Lord woke me up at 3 in the morning to cook bread for you. So here is the bread. After that guy left, somebody knocked. The milk man, he said something happened to my, uh, I don't know how you call it, like a truck, something happened. The wheel broke in front of this place. Can I give you all my milk? Of course, George Mueller said, yes. Can you imagine? God supplies at the right time his amazing way. Is God good, yes or no? My friend, I want you. I'm not saying you don't tell others your need. But I have a few pastors in CCF. I have a few people in CCF who will never tell people their financial needs. But God supplies. I'm not saying it is wrong to tell people. 
But CCF has experienced this. CCF, we don't pass offering boxes. But God has supplied all the needs of CCF, including this building and the next building. No debt, no loan. Is God good, yes or no? But some of you are not able to experience this. You know why? Because you do not follow God's way. You are afraid. You don't want to tithe. You know why you don't want to tithe? Because you want to have savings. You put your trust in savings. My friend, you follow God's way. Put your trust in the giver, not on the gift. Amen? Number two, how should you pray? You pray. Let's read. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Why is this so important? Forgiveness is your greatest need. You will not pray this prayer until you realize you need forgiveness. You see, most people, apart from God's encounter in your life, you will never see yourself as a sinner. Most of us think we are good enough. What do I mean? Let me show you. What do I mean by respectable sin, obvious sin, all right? Some of you don't understand how sinful we are. Oh, because you tell me, Peter, I don't. You know, these are the obvious sins. I don't murder, I don't lie, I don't rape, I don't commit adultery, I don't steal, I don't swindle, I'm not into pornography, drunkenness, or drugs, whatever, etc. Sure. What about the tolerated sin? I call this the respectable sin that people commit without feeling bad. Example, greed, gossip. Ladies, I'm not talking to you. I'm just saying example, gossip. Anger, temper. I don't know how you react to your family members. Cursing, judging others, critical spirit, unforgiveness. Not keeping your word. You say, yes, I will worship to next Sunday. Yes, I'll be there. Nine o'clock, I'll be there. Oh, you don't show up. Not keeping your word. Or you say, pangako ko ito. Itong utang ko, I will pay. You don't pay. Not keeping your word. Divisiveness, unloving, materialistic, pride, selfishness. How many of you are guilty of any of this sin? Raise your hands. You are guilty. How many are not guilty? Raise your hands. You mean you're all guilty? Just like me? Now, what happens if you're guilty of sin? Ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea about the holiness of God. That's why you treat sin lightly. You and I treat sin so lightly because we have no idea how holy God is. What do I mean? Look at Matthew. Matthew tells us, your tongue will judge you. I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting in the day of judgment. You know, God has an amazing tape recorder, okay? It's digital. It's forever recorded, okay? For by, everybody read, please, by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. You know, I look at my life. I have said many things I should not have said. White lies, brown lies, black lies. I look at my life. I want you to look at these three examples of men 
who finally saw their sinfulness by God's grace. Without God's grace, you will not understand the need for forgiveness. You'll be so proud. You'll be so self-righteous. Some of you here are self-righteous because you are religious. You are a good person. I praise God you are a good person. But until you see the holiness of God, you will not see how sinful you are. It's a comparative statement. When I compare myself to others, I may be okay. But when I compare myself to my maker, man, look at Isaiah. When Isaiah encountered the Lord, the Bible tells us when Isaiah encountered the Lord, when he was in the presence of God, you know what he said? Woe is me. I am ruined. Literally, Isaiah said, I am undone. I am finished. You see, before Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was judging other nations, criticizing other nations. And then God appeared to Isaiah. And Isaiah said, I am undone. Look at Peter. When Peter encountered the Lord, Peter said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. The apostle Paul, look at this journey. When he was a young Christian, he said, I am the least of the apostles. Then he became older in the faith. I am the last of all the saints. And then when he was about to die, the last book in the book of Timothy, I am foremost of all what? I am the chief of sinners. This is my experience with people. The closer you are to God, the more you see your sinfulness and the less you judge others. If you are not intimate with God, you are so quick to judge others. Now, this prayer of Jesus that he taught us, forgive us our debt, as we have forgiven our debtors, implies number one, you must see your sinfulness. How many of you have honestly prayed, Lord, I am a sinner, forgive me. Raise your hands. Now, don't force yourself. Until you see your sinfulness, you don't need a Savior. But once you experience the forgiveness of God, you are set free. Then, part two of forgiving others comes in. What is that prayer? I'll show you that prayer. Forgive us our debt. This word debt, there are different words for sin. Amartya, paraptoma, different words for sin. This is one word. This word means what I'm supposed to do, I don't do. What are my duties I'm not able to do? The sin of omission. Forgive us our debts, my duties, as we have forgiven our debtors. Notice it's connected. To, f- to receive forgiveness from God and forgiving others are interconnected. I want you to read this simple quotation that we have placed for you to understand. Everybody read this. To forgive and to be forgiven are linked. It cannot be separated. Divine forgiveness and human forgiveness are inseparable. What is my proof to you? That divine forgiveness and human forgiveness cannot be separated. Let me give you a story from Jesus. One day, the apostle Peter came to Jesus. And he asked Jesus, 
How many times should I forgive my brother? Peter wanted to impress Jesus. So he said, okay, seven times. Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, not seven times. How many times? Tell me, how many times? You remember that story? It's 70 times. I do not say to you seven times, up to 70 times seven. That's how many times? Please tell me, how many times? Did you pass your mathematics? 70 times seven, 490 times. What is Jesus saying? Forgiveness should not be an occasion. Forgiveness is a way of life for Christians. And then to make that point so clear, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slave. So Jesus came up with a story. I will teach you why forgiveness is so important. I will now give you a story. The kingdom of heaven is like a king to settle accounts. So the first slave owed the king, you know how much? I'll show you. In that story, the first slave owed the king 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. How much is one talent? One talent is 6,000 days of labor. If you compare that to the Philippine salary, what is one day salary minimum? 600. Yes? 600? More or less. So, what is, six, what is one talent? 6,000 days of labor. So how much is that? 3.6 million. Am I correct? One talent is 3.6 million. I think somebody don't trust me, so I check your check your cell phone. All right. Now, the guy owed the king how much? Ten thousand talents. In short, Jesus is a master teacher. The guy owed the king billions of peso. So he went to the king. It's a drama, it's a boshing, boshing. He knelt down. He really knelt down. He said, Lord. Lord, please, please forgive me, forgive me. And then, you know, the Lord, the Bible tells us the king was moved with compassion. Okay, I forgive you. Oh, if you're that slave, are you happy? Wow. All right. Then somebody approached this guy, another slave. He was forgiven. He should be so happy, right? Then somebody approached him. Sir, will you forgive me? This guy said, why will I forgive you? How much do you owe me? Uh, 100 days of salary. How much is 100 days of salary? 60,000 pesos. You know, this guy did not want to forgive him. He put him in jail until he will pay the whole amount. When the king heard the story, now look at me now. I don't know if you're getting angry already. You see the comparison? Somebody owed so much, forgiven, and then somebody owed so little, will not forgive. This is what Jesus is saying. You owe me so much, I forgave you. This guy owed you so little, 
you don't forgive him. Ah, let's see the meaning of that story. Summoning him, the Lord said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? So what's the application? Next verse. His Lord moved with with anger, handed him over to the torturers. Torturers. I'll explain that later. Until he should prepare all that was owed him. Everybody read. This is the application. Together. My heavenly Father will also do to the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. You know what God is saying? You, I, we are sinners. We have sinned against God many, many times. It is countless. And God tells you, tells me, I forgive you. So who are you? Who am I not to forgive others? Do you see the story? So question, is it possible for a true Christian not to be forgiven? Do you know of Christians who call themselves Christians? Who are hurt? Who are so wounded that they refuse to forgive? Yes or no? Yes or no? So are they Christians? Here's the problem. If you are a true Christian, God will make sure you learn to forgive. You know why? He hands you to the torturers. I've seen Christians who call themselves Christians. They are so angry. They become bitter. They begin to slander people. They change. And then they get sick. They lose their health. They lose everything. Now, only God knows if that person is a real Christian or not. But one thing I know, if you refuse to forgive... You are the one suffering. You know, people who don't forgive, you know what's in their mind? I want to punish that person. That's why you don't want to forgive. Another possibility, you have not experienced forgiveness. And that's why you cannot forgive. You cannot give what you don't have. My friend, by the grace of God, my wife and I have experienced forgiveness. And that's why we forgive people. Let me repeat. My wife and I, by the grace of God, We don't harbor bitterness. We don't have any unforgiveness. Why? I look at my life. I'm a sinner. So who am I not to forgive people? Are there people in your life right now that you are not forgiving? You know, God commands you. Look at the command in Mark 11. Let's read Mark 11. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. It's a command. When you want God to answer your prayer, you better forgive. If you have anything against anyone, you forgive. You forgive that person. Your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you. Your transgressions. Another word for sin. This is now, you are breaking the the commandments. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you. Let me explain to you what is true forgiveness, okay? So this is true forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. True forgiveness. It is not a feeling. So some of you are deceived. You think you got to feel it. No, no, no. It's a choice. 
I choose to forgive. True forgiveness is based on God's forgiveness. Because God forgave you, you forgive others. It is not based on what is fair. You know, some of you feel it's not fair. This person took advantage of me. That's not the point. Forgiveness is based on Christ. It's a command. It is not a suggestion. It's supernatural. You cannot do it on your own. It is the world's forgiveness. They think it's natural. It's, it's supernatural. It's unconditional. This is conditional. Friends, has God forgiven you? Should you forgive others? Yes or no? All right. I want you to hear a testimony of one of our brothers who experienced really pain, painful experiences, but he forgave. Let's welcome Ken. Ken, please come. When I was still young, I already noticed the preferential treatment given by my parents to my two older siblings. My brother would say I was adopted because my siblings would get new stuff while I would get their hand-me-downs. They always get what they want and get away with anything they did. While I get physically beaten from my brother's faults, he had a heart condition and asthma. They would go on family dates while they'd leave me with the helpers and stay-in employees. It was during those times that I was abused by some employees. I tried running to my parents the first time. I ended up being punished in front of all the employees instead. All those years growing up, I've never felt my parents protect me or stand up for me or fight for me. It's like I was a burden to them, just another child who's taking up their time. Thus, I have to always strive for their approval. I'm hoping that they'll, I'll be noticed this time. My biological mom passed away when I was eight years old, and dad eventually remarried. I grew close to my stepmom and looked forward to the day when I will be physically with my new mother. However, after just a few years, my dad left her permanently. She was heartbroken and left with so much financial debt from my dad. It turns out that all the while, my dad had been having an affair. One day, he brought home the woman with whom he had been having an affair with to live with us. No introductions and no explanations given. We're not allowed even to react. We just have to live with this stranger at home. I was also not allowed to communicate with my stepmother who's in the US. Despite all these setbacks, I did well in school as this was my outlet. I became class president from elementary till high school. I was always on the honor roll. And on top of my studies, I would always spend at least three hours daily helping out in our family business and even on weekends. Waking up 3 a.m. to study and do my homework. There was a season when I had to go to the market and cook for the family myself. But in spite of this, my dad would nag me for not helping out in our family business and at home. He would berate me for not taking care of my older brother and punish me for my supposed underperformance at school. 
My dad was totally disappointed because I was only second honor in my Chinese classes and third honor in my regular class for that grading period. My brother would only get warm encouragements and an occasional verbal reprimand for his failed subjects and make-up summer classes, video games, disco, and partying. Every grading period, my dad would send us promissory notes because he didn't have the funds to pay for school. Yet, every weekend, he'd go to the casino and various nightclubs. All these things eventually became too much for a high school kid to handle, so I decided to put an end to it all. I was in third year high school that time and a candidate for next year's student council president. I had access to someone selling locally made firearms. I made arrangements to pick up a handgun so I can shoot my dad that day during his afternoon nap and ensure that one bullet was left for me as I was not willing to go to prison. On my way to that last morning class, I bumped into our school pastor. I don't recall the exact conversation, but at one point the pastor quoted, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Suddenly, I was intensely crying. The next thing I remember was this pastor sharing the gospel to me. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior that day. God made me realize that although my dad's offenses were great, I too had offended God so much that Jesus had to die on the cross in my place. At the same time, Jesus offered me peace, rest, and purpose. My dad's second mom, second wife, whom I called mom, sought me out and adopted me even after dad left and we were bankrupt. As I was growing in my Christian walk, the Lord made me realize that Though I received the Lord's forgiveness, I have not forgiven my dad and those who've hurt me. As a forgiven child of God, I too must forgive and let God take care of my past, my present, and my future. So in the new year of 2009, I sought out my dad who had moved to the province, and the Lord gave me the opportunity to meet him personally. I asked for his forgiveness, and I gave mine. He did the same. We both cried for ours, letting go of all the years of hurt, pain, and bitterness. Amazingly, I learned that my dad also received Christ as Savior two months earlier when a local pastor in that province shared the gospel with him and his family. I had the opportunity to honor both of my parents during our rainy wedding day in 2011. I also witnessed my dad ask mom's forgiveness that day. On different occasions, the Lord opened the opportunity for me to ask my elder sister and elder brother for their forgiveness as well. My dad's new family also accepted Christ. I am thankful that my wonderful siblings from my dad's family were with him until the very end when he died during the height of the pandemic. I couldn't be by his side during that time due to quarantine restrictions. But because of the grace and forgiveness we both have in Jesus, I am sure we will meet again in heaven one day. My name is Ken Karange, recipient of God's amazing grace, mercy, and forgiveness. God bless you. Praise God, Ken. You know, I invited Ken's wife to be here also. And uh, the discipler, the D group leader is Pastor Ricky. Do you mind raising your right hand? Let's pray for this family that God will use them mightily. Lord Jesus, 
I thank you for my brother Ricky for mentoring them, but I also thank you for what you have done in the life of Ken. How you gave him the humility and the grace to forgive his own father. And how you have used him to influence others for your kingdom. And I thank you for Mafe, for the wife, how she has faithfully stood by. And I pray that you use this couple for the coming ministry that you have in mind for them. Expand their borders and protect them from the evil one. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless, brother. Thank you. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us how he did it. You know how you forgive? You need Christ. Notice what it says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because once you have Jesus, Holy Spirit is in you. He gives you the power. So don't grieve him. Do what he tells you to do. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Bible tells us you are saved, you are redeemed, and the Holy Spirit is given to you. And then look at the application. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, glamour, slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, everybody, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You see, the basis of our forgiveness is God in Christ, in Christ. If you have Christ, you will surely forgive. If you don't have Christ, you don't have the power. And if you don't forgive, you are living in sin. And to live in sin is dangerous. Because the Bible says you cannot be a Christian and live in sin. You will repent. Are we clear? So I pray you learn to pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. And then the last request is very crucial. It says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, do not lead us into temptation. What is the meaning of the word temptation? The word temptation can be translated two ways. It's from the Greek word perasmos. Perasmos can be translated as temptation if the purpose is for you to sin. It is translated as trials. It's translated as tests. Not just trials, tests. To strengthen us, to prove. So, Example of how the word temptation, perasmos, is used. James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, perasmos. The purpose of this perasmos is the testing of your faith. It is to make you stronger, not weaker. So God allows many times testing to prove your character, to make you better, to let you see if you're a real Christian or not. And then the same chapter talks about perasmos in another context. Let no one say when he is perasmos, tempted, I'm being perasmos, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt. So God does not do that. So when you are tempted, 
anyone, but each one, everybody read, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So this prayer, lead us not. Notice all of this prayer is plural. Give us this day. Meaning, you think of the needs of others. This prayer is not give me this day. It's give us. Lead us not. It is also for us to pray for one another. Lead us not into temptation. When I shared this truth, I taught our Bible students years ago, you need to do your part. To pray, Lord, protect me from sin is wonderful. But you've got to do your part. <clears throat> so one of our Bible students, <clears throat> after office, he's going home. Many years ago, the Philippine nightclubs, the night spots, do you know where, where it is? Years ago. Years ago. Where are the nightclubs? Ermita, Rojas Boulevard, yes? Today, where, where is it? Where? BGC. BGC? Yes. <coughs> I'm not saying you are going there, but I really don't know. I thought it's in Makati Avenue also. Maybe. Anyway, this guy, after office, Edsa, left his South Expressway, going to his house. He lives in Alabama. Straight. Rojas Boulevard, Ermita. He was driving. He learned the lesson because it was very tempting. People don't realize sexual immorality is addiction. It's addictive. He prayed, Lord, help me. He turned left. He went to South Expressway, but there's still U-turn. And then finally, he paid. When he paid the bill, he cried. He said, Lord, thank you. You know why? He can no longer escape. He has to go home. My whole point is this. You got to do your part. I remember this man. He was riding on an airplane to Hong Kong. And a beautiful girl sat beside him. And the girl said, what are you doing in Hong Kong? He's, this guy said, I'm on a business trip, blah, blah, blah. The girl said, well, if you are free, you can call me. Here's my address. So the guy got the calling card. Now, he's a Christian. After disembarking, you know what he did with that card? He saw a waste can. He threw it. You know why he threw it? Because he knew. I don't have the power I don't have the strength to resist. Somebody told me he memorized the number. No, no, no. <laughs> My friend, if I were you, you flee. My solution, look at this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. You got to do your part. Before the temptation comes, you must decide already. I'm going to run away. The word evil, from the original Greek language, can be translated as the evil one. It is an article. So other Bible version says, do not lead us into temptation. Look at this new King James version. It says, but deliver us from the evil one. Who is the evil one? Satan. Jesus knew 
the power of the devil. Peter experienced this. That's why Peter said, be on the alert because of the reality of the evil one. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Many of you are ignorant of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. Satan is out to get you. That's why you need to pray this prayer. This prayer is a prayer of humility. Lord, I am weak. Lead me not into trials, into temptation. Lord, hindi ko kaya ito. Deliver me. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver me from Satan. You know why, do you know why you need to pray this every day? I pray this every day. My wife prays this every day. Because I know I will face trials and temptation. Peter experienced this. Can I tell you why? Look at what Jesus told Peter. Jesus told Peter. Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to shift you like we, to destroy you. But I prayed for you. We need to pray for each other. Your, that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brother. Look at the prayer of Jesus. Jesus told Peter, he told his disciples, the flesh is weak. Therefore, you got to pray. Remember, he told us, pray that you enter not into temptation. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You got to pray, friend. Our flesh is weak. So what happened? Well, Peter was tempted by what? Two little girls. They say, you denied Jesus, you denied Jesus. So did Peter pass the test? He denied Jesus. But did he pass the exam? Yes. Because when Jesus died and rose again, Jesus appeared to Peter. And Jesus told Peter, even though Peter denied Jesus, he flunked the test, but he became stronger. You know why? Because the Bible tells us Peter repented. Judas flunked the test, and he did not repent. He was devoured by the evil one. Peter was not devoured by the evil one. Why do I say that? Jesus told Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said yes. Jesus told Peter, shepherd my flock, pastor my people. Second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Take care of the Christians. Third time, Peter, do you love me? All right, take care of my people. The Bible tells us Peter became one of the strongest Christian leaders because he got protected. That's why at the end of Peter's life, you know what he wrote? This is what he wrote. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, for your perasmus, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. In other words, when you are tested trial, but you depend on the Holy Spirit, hey, learn to rejoice. 
so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. The reason why Peter can write what he wrote, he went through failure. That's why he tells people, the devil is real. He's going to destroy us. But he tells you, don't give up. If God has spoken to you, what's the message today? Unleash God's power. Surrender your needs. What are your needs? Physical needs? Yes, provision. What are your needs? The need for forgiveness. The need to forgive others. What's our need? Protection from the devil. If that is your desire, and I know that's your desire, to go through life, I want you to bow your heads and pray. First prayer, those of you who have never really invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you are not sure God is your Father. Will you pray this prayer with me? You are not sure, but today you want to be sure that God becomes your Heavenly Father. Will you raise your hands? Praise God. Anybody else? Raise your hands higher. You want to be sure God is your Father. Higher. Raise your hands. You, you want to be sure. All right. Those of you whose hands are raised up, praise God. Many of you, you pray this prayer. This is how to become a child of God. Lord Jesus, I need you. Today, I surrender my life to you. I'm a proud person. I don't feel I need you. But today, I realize I'm a sinner. I'm a bad sinner. Will you forgive me? Change my heart. Come into my life. Second prayer. Those of you, put your hands down. You have people in your heart that you are angry. You have people in your heart you have a hard time forgiving. I'd like you to bow down your heads again. Keep bowing down. You name that person, surrender that person to God. Will you pray right now? God is telling you, you have not forgiven this person. You are angry at this person. Will you tell them to the Lord Jesus right now? You tell God. Be honest with Him. Say, Lord, I need to forgive this person because you have forgiven me. Will you tell God directly right now, wherever you are? You surrender that person to Jesus. Whatever that person has done for you, it can be painful. It can be a betrayal. You say, Lord, as you have forgiven me, I forgive that person. Whatever name God brings to your mind, you surrender that to Him. Remember, it's very serious. You need to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. Father God in heaven, I thank you for the provision of forgiveness. That you have forgiven us and now we choose to forgive others. So Lord, we surrender to you all our needs. We come before you, bankrupt, without strength. But Father, we come to you. 
I now pray that you forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive us of our unforgiveness. And now I pray for everybody here, Lord Jesus, that you will be the one to make us grow, have a deeper relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing prayer. In your name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Good day, CCF family. Welcome to Sunday Fast Track, where you ask real-life questions and we give you biblical truths. My name is Zia Tienza from the Elevate Youth Ministry of CCF, and we're here today with our speaker, Pastor Peter Tanchi. How are you, Pastor? I'm excellent. Praise God. Praise God. So are you ready to answer our questions, yes. Pastor? Yes, I'm ready. All right. So how can I know if I have truly forgiven someone? You can only know if you have truly forgiven somebody. Remember, it's not feeling, right? It's a choice. Mm -hmm. So once you release the person, you know you've forgiven the person if you are willing to pray for God to bless him. Mm -hmm. You are willing to say, Lord, you take care of this person. You are willing to let him go. You are no longer always thinking about how to, how to take revenge, you don't gossip about him anymore. Mm -hmm. In other words, you release him. Mm -hmm. Now, does it mean you will forget? You don't have amnesia. Mm -hmm. You may still remember. Mm -hmm. But you don't make it a habit of just rehearsing. This is mm -hmm. what he did. This is what he did. So that's how you know you have forgiven the person. But if you still are angry, mm -hmm. every time you think about it and you keep thinking about it, you better check your heart. I see. So if you are able to pray for that person, it means you have forgiven that for person. For God to bless him. And for God to bless him, I see. Thank Remember, you, Pastor. Forgiveness is a choice. Mm -hmm. You say, Lord, I choose to forgive him. So you made a choice. I forgive you. Okay? Choice. It's a choice. It is not feeling. And then you make another choice mm -hmm. to pray for blessing. Mm -hmm. My goodness, that's another story. Mm -hmm. Now, you know you are released. And then when you see him, you're willing to approach him. Thank you so much, Pastor. I'm sure our viewers were able to learn a lot from your answers. So that's it. But before we go, if you are a student or a young working professional looking for a community to grow with, we would like to invite you to our Saturday night service, which is SNS, every Saturday at 5 p.m. here at the CCF Center. And if you are a student who wants to be part of a community and if you want to make a change in your campus, visit Elevate main Facebook page to know more. So we're excited to see you. And that's it for CCF Sunday Fast Track. God bless. God bless.